What's going on? Welcome to KZ1023's Community Beat, a new podcast hosted by myself, Ross Martinez. Each episode, we take a deep dive look into members of our community, the accomplishments, the trauma, the mentors, all of it. I hope this brings light to all the great things going on in our community. Yes, at times, it may be difficult to hear, and some episodes will have some spicy language, but please don't be deterred. There's so much beauty in our stories. All right? Let's get to KZ's Community Beat. Thank you for listening. The most disrespectful thing that humans do is disrespect time. Mic check, mic check. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of KZ1023's Community Beat. I'm your host, Ross Martinez. I got Willie Williams right here with me. Uh, Hoops Inc., also former state champion here in Peoria. Uh, let's start with military. We were talking off mic. Why'd you end up joining? I need some discipline, bro. Like for real? My brother had went before me, my older brother, my grandfather, <clears throat> and I was just like I had great parents, man. But I just I had offers to play college basketball. Yeah, and I didn't even go. I wasn't mature, like mentally or emotionally. Mentally, mentally emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was the biggest hoe you'd ever meet, <laughs> and I knew I would have flunked out. I wouldn't have went to class. My class would have been hitting as many things that anything that moved. I was gonna tap it. Uh, did you ever like address that mentally, like why that was how you were? Like, yeah. did you ever analyze it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was sexually assaulted as a young kid oh, by man. an older woman. And I didn't realize until about four or five years when I went to counseling that that had affected me my entire life. Really? So I had I didn't think about it until I went to counseling and he was talking, I was talking about it. It just hit me. And, like, I'm like, that's why I liked older women. That's why I felt this what women wanted. So that's the trauma why. in your life led you down that path. Exactly. And I had no idea in my entire life. But my dad was a player. You know, you know, he's married to my mom. I got a bunch of brothers and sisters. So that's all I seen. Then yeah. on top of that, I had it was multiple older women who would kiss me and have me doing things to them. And as a young 8, 9, 10-year-old, you thinking – Oh, okay, this is what women want. This is what they need. And, okay, I'm supposed to give it. Yeah. And for me, we can talk about that, too. We talk about everything. Yeah, yeah I'm ain't, down, Ain't man. nothing off limits with me, bro. Oh, for real? Nothing. All right, cool. I'm, I'm with you. book, man. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I like to let the conversation flow initially. Yeah. Then I intro the podcast yeah. eventually, and then we keep going. Man, I don't, but it's I don't nothing on high. I like that. Yeah. This thing, like, when you think about in our culture, right, as men, when, when it comes to sexuality and chasing mm-hmm. the cat, right? Mm-hmm. It is kind of respected. Like, oh, you got an older chick? Right, right, oh, bro, right. Oh, snap. You pull right. her? Like, right. you pull the teacher? Right. Like, ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, right. that, I wonder how that mentality kind of got in the community because it is very detrimental. You take somebody that has an advanced mindset or mm-hmm. has an advanced sex drive or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you're kind of, uh, what's it called? You're, um, you're kind of uh, grooming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, in the moment, you just had no idea. You just like, oh, man, I'm getting something. What's up? Right. And then I, I became, I thought, a nice-looking guy and popular in sports. And then it was just... Just went up. Crazy. It was crazy, bro. And then I lived in L.A. and I was doing the music industry. I don't even want to talk about that. He was all over with that. All them celebrities. I was tapping all of them. <laughs> all of them. Once you see on TV, I was... Yeah? All of them. Man. All of them. Like, three, four at a time. And then what made you kind of like, oh, shit, the Marines is before I, I No, no, it's just I got. Because there had to be a moment in your life. I got closer to God. Yeah. I was like, um, selling myself short. I done did everything, too, some threes and fours, some all the women, you know, all the fine ones, all the bad ones, mm. booties, titties, everything. I done did it all. Yeah. 
What did I get out of it? <clears throat> Some what, memories and stories. What, 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 but yeah, but what did I really get out of it? Emotional Who, baggage. Exactly. Because when and all it was do doing that. was hurting me more and more because I was searching for something. I, the feel good moment. I was searching. Okay, this feels good for the moment. But when I'm done, I still still need that urge. I still feel like, man, what else is it yeah. besides that? You know what I'm saying? So what were you searching for? Comfort? Acceptance? Love. Hmm. Love. Because even in those moments that felt good, what did I feel? I felt good. I felt loved. I felt wanted. I felt needed. And when I realized God's love is the ultimate love, yeah, and that love never fail you, never leave you, never forsake you. That's the ultimate high for me. So waking up and going to bed knowing that God got me, and He does have a heaven and hell to put me in. Psh, man, it changed my entire life, my whole perspective. Actually, one girl that I was having an affair with, she brought this. Um, I always talked to her about the Bible, even though she had a husband and I had a girl. You know what I'm saying? I always talked to her about the Bible. And she's like, look at this sermon. What you that think is really interesting, though. She said, what you think of this sermon? So yeah. I watched it, and we was watching it together, and I just started crying. He was talking about, you know, just giving your life to God and understanding what God called you here for and this and that. This was about nine years ago. Wow. And I, yeah. I just lost it, bro. And that started to change in trajectory of me getting closer and closer to Christ. And so you found the love in God, <clears throat> which in turn gave you the love for self. Self. Yeah, and um, everyone else. We are love. What is God? He is love. Yeah. So if we don't see, if everybody's out here who's searching for things, they're searching for love because God put that in all of us, even the atheists. They have that one thing that they want that they from someone or from people. Watch, watch people. They, even on social media, they look for people to approve them, like them, care for them. That's love. That's the superficial or artificial love. You surface but, love. But it makes them feel a certain way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when you get that from God and understand it, supersedes all that. What does it feel like? You like, mind just like, putting that in front of you just so I can hear it like, like, um, like you're on cloud nine, 24-7. That's why I'm never in a bad mood. Cause yeah, you were saying that on the mic that you don't never, have bad days. Never. And like I was a little skeptical because I'm like <clears throat> I, I'm a person that searches hardcore for silver mm -hmm. linings in any mm -hmm. negative moment just to give me a little something, a sliver mm -hmm. of hope, right? Mm -hmm. But you say you don't have them. Never. How? So let's say this: you you're you're having a day in this fork in the road. How do you mentally address that? Spiritually address that? Where you're like, this isn't going to be a bump. It's mm -hmm. just going to be part of the motion. The fork in the road for me is a test, usually from God. But even when you're a Christian, he tells you you're going to have trials and tribulations. I know that's part of my life, regardless of how good of a Christian I am. Mm. And I'm not even a good Christian. None of us are, you know. But I know with my faith and my trust in God, this fork in the road is going to help me when I'm done with it, that I'm going to be able to help others. Mm. So this fork in the road for me is another tool that I'm putting in my tool belt for when I'm learning from it. I'm not crying and, and, and complaining about it. Okay, God, what do you want me to learn? I'm going to learn. I'm going to get through it. So now when I meet a, a Ross or I meet another Willie, oh, I went through that. Here's that tool that I got through that so I can help you. Yeah. It's never about me. When we live a life for other people, problems always come when we insert ourselves. Okay, if me and you get in an argument, I'm mad because you disrespected me. You yelled at me. If I don't insert self, 
I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to feel disrespected. I'm going to look at that brother and say, he's going through something, <laughs> and whatever he's doing has nothing to do with me because yeah. my character should never change based on your actions or emotions. That's interesting because this week I had that challenge. And there was a sliver of a moment where I, I let the emotions, mm-hmm. like I'm a man that has my heart in my sleeve. I can't mm-hmm. hide it. Mm-hmm. Like it, I feel like that's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Never a curse. Ooh, why not? Never. Teach me. I'm going to tell you why. If you're always showing love and compassion for people, you're doing your part. True. If that person not accepting it, receiving it, or being mean or angry to you, that has nothing to do with you. And mm-hmm. once you realize that... A person can yell at you, cuss you out, and it wouldn't bother you one bit because it has nothing to do with you. Huh. You're not going to go to heaven and say, well, God, I had to cuss him out or I had to whoop him because of what he said. You don't get in trouble for his sin. You get in trouble for <sighs> your sin. That's right. Uh, it's a challenge right now in, in the place where I am mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically in life. Mm-hmm. It's it's just that's the, that's the challenge I'm trying to overcome right now. Yeah. And my best friend says, well, your relationship with God ain't right. I'm like, shut up. I know. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'm, I'm, I'm closely coming back, like mm-hmm. slowly. I love the church. I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. But it's just like. It's baby steps. Man. Yeah. You know, but you got to be conscious of those steps daily. You got to. And, and the Bible says you, you get closer and you get faith by hearing the word of God over and over and over. Now, if you hear. You're not crap, you're not crap, you're not crap. Guess what that does, too? You start to believe it, yeah. consciously and unconsciously. So that's why your surroundings are important. Yeah. Who you're communicating with, what you're listening to, what you're watching, it's all important. Yeah. If you need to surround yourself around positivity and positive people, now of course you can't do that all the time. Of course. But at the end of the day, that's what you want to surround yourself with. And getting in your Bible and understanding God's word and hearing his word and speaking his word and, and speaking aloud. Yeah. You know, uh, prayer is, is voice activated. It's what do you mean by that? When you pray mm-hmm. and talk to God, he doesn't hear you when you say. He hears you when you say, Lord, help me. Well, you say I'll, show, I'll show you the scriptures where he talks about everything is voice activated in heaven. Voice when activated. I hear your voice, when I hear you speak. Yeah. That's voice activated prayer. So huh. a lot of people think they can pray by doing this. Just put nah. your head down. No. Nah. You know, you said something interesting right there. You said, uh, you know, the people close to you. I was raised with the with the idea the five people that are direct impact <clears> to you <throat> have tremendous amounts of energy that goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Y'all feed into each other. They're like mirror aspects of you. Mm-hmm. So who are the, would you say, five people that are that for you? Or like three, two, one, whatever it is. Who do you keep around you that keeps you on mm-hmm. path? Okay. My bishop at my church. Uh-huh. Uh, another pastor at my church. I meet with these men weekly, and then other business people uh, in the city that I that I'm close to. Steve Cicerelli on Pipco Construction, Catholic, Christian, family man. Yeah. You know, um, I told you my bishop, brother Crane, Steve Cicerelli. That's really it. You keep it close knit. That's it. Hmm. And you don't find any challenges staying on the path. Like it just is. Like you're just challenged every day. Challenge every day. Paul said, I put on the armor of God daily. Hmm. Daily. And he was a disciple. Yeah. Daily. It's a daily struggle. Yeah, every, every day. Every single day, but it gets easier. Sometimes some days are harder. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I fail. How do you feel in those moments when you fail? I feel bad. I feel bad, but, but when I ask God to forgive me, I know that 
he's not thinking about it again. See, see, God doesn't doesn't put in you where, oh, remember what you did last week? Or one, he says once you ask him for forgiveness, he don't even remember it anymore. Is like, that how you handle situations in life with just people in general in the community? Like, is that how you are? Like, you try to treat people like God said? Always. Yeah? Do you find that challenging at all? Nope. Not at all? Not at all. Because I do sometimes. I'll, I'll be very yeah. honest with you, brother. And like, I'm, there's and moments. I'm, and I'm upfront and I'm honest, and everybody don't like that. I'm respectful, but I'm honest. Yeah. And I'm going to call you. I'll call you. I don't think not in front of people, but I'm going to let you know, hey, that's wrong. How you doing that is wrong. You need to check yourself on that one. That's not right. Because I, I have issues. <clears throat> like, that's the stuff I'm learning. And maybe it is my mini departure from the church, right? Mm-hmm. That's something my best friend keeps telling me that I need to mend. And, you know, once my grandmother passed away, she had Alzheimer's, dementia, mm-hmm. pancreatic cancer. And I just remember how she went out. And that was the thorn for me, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, but I still treat people, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still a challenge. Why is it a challenge to be nice? Pride. But I know that's a deadly sin. Why are you prideful? Prideful of what? You know what you're telling me right now? Tell me. You're telling me, I don't want you to hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. I'm not going to let you get close to me and get close to my heart huh. and then hurt me. So that's selfishness, not pride. The Self- opposite of love is not hate. It's selfishness. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, it's not hate. It's but why selfishness. is it selfishness and I'm not hate instead? I'm going to tell you what hate is. Hate is when you despise them, when you want the worst things to happen to them. Oh, That's yeah. not your character. That's not your heart. I can read you within three minutes of me talking to you. For real? I'm serious. I had that gift since I was a young man. Oh, tell me. I, li- I like to yeah. know this. this You've got a good heart. You're a loving person. You're a kind person. You're a scared person. You're an insecure person. Oh. But you love and want the best for any and everybody. But also at the same time, inside of you is a scared young man. Oh. Who's scared to explore and go out and venture? And you, the type of person, like, I want to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm scared of failure. I'm scared of not doing it and completing it, so I'm going to sit back. Hmm. And God didn't call you to be like that because you got a dynamic personality. You got a loving personality. You have a personality that's tangible. And Thank people want to be around you. People want to hear you. You silence yourself. Satan don't do it. You just allow him to him by what he put in your head. And you listen to him. And when you listen to him, you sit down and you shut your mouth. Yeah. Well, God don't want you to shut your mouth because you got gifts. So what's your best advice as, as someone that's lived in experience, has the wisdom, has converted back to the church, has found the peace in God and the peace himself to a younger man who is still trying to figure life out? Mm-hmm. What's the best advice in that? I don't give advice. I just give the word. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and the word says to know who who you are, you have to go to the manufacturer. Who was the manufacturer? Oh, you sound just like my best friend Miguel right now. I swear. I I know. There's a reason why it's similar mirrored messages. It's from God. I get it. You go to the manufacturer and you spend time with him daily. How often do you spend time with him? When we think about this, why would we spend time with the person who made us? We yeah. know what we're supposed to do. We spend time at the movies, on dates with our women, watching TV, and we don't spend time with the person who made us. The most disrespectful thing that humans do is disrespect time. Ooh. Now think about this. Just think this. Just yeah, think yeah, yeah. About this. That's a great point. Oh, hold on. We yeah. disrespect time. We late. We don't come on time. We do it tomorrow. We do it next week. Now, 
When you was born, did you decide that? Mm-hmm. When you die, are you going to decide that? Mm-hmm. So how do we disrespect something that we can never get back and we didn't decide when we come here and we don't decide when we leave? Selfishness. Selfishness and assumptions that we got as much time as we won't need. I can leave here right now. You never see me again, and vice versa. Yeah. But we all, everybody who died today, assumed they had time. Yeah. Everybody who died last week assumed they had time. Yeah. I got. I'm 45, about to be 46. Probably I got more tomorrow than I do yesterday's. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, my mind frame and my mindset is I'm going to go and go and go, still rest, but. My mind is I'm going to get 20 things done doing God's will and God's work to do what he called me to do and complete my purpose. Man, I like that. You give me some nice little things to think about. I enjoy that. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, Hey, what's going on? We've been talking for a little bit. It's uh, the all-new KZ1023, number one for throwbacks, KZ Community Beats. I'm Ross Martinez. My guest this week is Willie Williams. Um, You got a lot (coughs) going on. You first thing we'll talk about is hoops, hoops Inc. Right? Yes, sir. So you were a former basketball player for Peoria Manual High School. Peoria Manual. You're like the second, third person I met that's played there. Yeah, I feel like that was a big name in this community. Yeah, very big. It's pretty nationwide, really. Well, I don't know much about it. Can you give me a little bit of enlightenment on it? It's like a basketball mecca. Okay, so we won a state record, which was four state championships in a row. I was blessed to be a part of two of them. Nice. And um, we were like the number one team in the nation, uh, number three team in the nation, played against a lot of, you know, former NBA players. Uh, each team is recognized as one of the top five teams in Illinois history. How did that feel to be a part of all that? It was one of the best experiences I ever had in my life. Can you explain all that a little bit? <clears throat> sure. I mean, we felt like rock stars. That's where we went. We had basketball cars, and we were we went to the mall. We were getting mobbed. Really? Sign autographs. Like had, local legends, huh? Yeah, they had statues of us. Just feel like this. It was so big that when we played in Peoria at the Civic Center, it was people sleeping outside in tents in the cold to get tickets to the game. Really? For high school. Yeah. And when we played at the Field House, which is no longer there, where Bradley was, uh, the Renaissance Coliseum is there now, they held 7,000 people. And those tickets would be sold out in two hours. People would be outside scalping tickets for high school games. Yeah. That's how big it was. As a young man, how, how <clears throat> did you handle all that? It, it wasn't just pressure, but it's also like, here's the keys to the kingdom. Basically, yeah. Right? Um, as a As a young man, I mean, I think I handled it pretty well. I had, like I said, I had really good parents who, you know, I was humbled. I was molded into um, handle success. And at that young age, I feel I handled it pretty well. But it was it was a grind. It was a job, you know. Hmm. After we won one state championship, we took out a week off, and we was back in the gym. That quick? That quick. We would practice on Sundays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Black Mamba mentality, huh? Basically, back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And we were doing yoga Every back time. then. You know, we were doing, yeah, people come in and do yoga with, with us. We was doing um, training in a swimming pool. We were doing things that they're doing now. We were doing it in 94, 95, 96. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, not crazy. I I never researched any of that before I met you. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, whoa, to hear it firsthand that that's how intense it was in the 90s. Uh, It was was super intense. What 
what NBA players have you played against or played with? Uh, Kevin Garnett, Lauren Wood. You played against them or with them? Against them. All right. Now, did, did we you won. get some points on them? Yeah, we won. Yeah. yeah. All right. See, yeah. Illinois was one of the top states as far as basketball. Like, we would have practice. You would have, you know, Gene Cady, who was a coach at Purdue. Yeah, Mike Krzyzewski coming in. You have all types. Yeah, you have all types of coaches coming in just to watch us practice. I mean, every other day, Bobby Knight come in. You know, we have all types of coaches coming in because we were the premier team in the state of Illinois. And we were a bunch of midgets, man. <laughs> what, 5-5 five, five on there? Well, well, no. Our, the first championship, we had the shortest team in Illinois history as far as starters, height-wise. Like, our, our center was Sergio McClain, who played at Illinois. He was six foot at the time. And that was so, your center, just six foot? Yeah. Everybody That's the point. Six foot and under. Yeah. And, and so, they beat, beat Carbondale, which had a 16-6-9 uh, and Troy Hudson, who played for the Minnesota Timberwolves, was an all-star. Yeah. He was a point guard on that team. And they had huge guys, but we were always used to, you know, playing against bigger people. Mm-hmm. But we used pressure defense and our athleticism and just our our tenacity on defense. Like, we just never quit. Was it just, like, a really good team chemistry in the moment that just had you? Like, you guys, without really explaining mm-hmm. much, you just... Mm-hmm. You just knew each other. It was it was the chemistry, but it also started with our head coach. And in sports, everything starts from the top. Yeah. And he set a tone that we're going to outwork everybody, we're going to outhustle everybody, and we're going to play a certain brand of basketball that was physical, fast tempo, and just nonstop coming at you mm. until there's no more time on the clock. Just pure hustle and grind. Yeah. So our practices were always harder than game. The games was easy. And then what we would do, which a lot of people didn't realize, we would, after practice, we would go play in the local, you know, Proctor Center, Carver Center, but we would only play with each other. We wouldn't play with people from Central, Richwood. Only people we would get on the court with is our teammates. So you created a bond. Yeah, and chemistry. So when we got, so we would practice together six, seven days a week, and then we'll play together again later on that night. So. When the game came, we knew what he could do, what he couldn't do, when to give him the ball, when not to give him the ball, where he was going to be. Sometimes, or a lot of times, Coach McClain didn't even call plays. Really? He so just, he just he, let he y'all just be? Said, he said, play like y'all playing at Proctor or Carver. He said, just play. And that's what we would do. We wouldn't even run plays sometimes. How did that feel to you as a, a young youth in the <clears> moment, <throat> as a member of a team with a head coach with that much trust? I mean, it was, it was like really playing outside on the playground. We had structure, but at the end of the day, he's like, he's like, just go ahead and go. Just play. He said, act like you're at Proctor. Act like you guys are at Carver. Just go play. Huh. And we'll come down 5, 10, 15 times, and we'll call one play. We'll just motion, move, cut, just play off each other. Really? Yeah. I feel like, so I'm in a stage in my career now where I have the trust from my my direct superior, my boss, my head coach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Willie, shout out to you, man. You're great. Um, but he doesn't have me check in. He'll call things here and there, but he allows me to be. And that trust makes me create so much. Mm -hmm. So was that like a driving force? Like, all right, this man, he he got a lot of trust in us. We Mm got to deliver. Yeah, it it was was that with the trust, but it also became not really pressure because growing up on the South End in Peoria, the pressure was being poor, you know, being, I mean, not knowing where your next meal was going to come. I was blessed to have both my parents in the home, 
but we still struggle financially. You know, my parents were married, but it still is a struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, surviving a community neighborhoods, that's stress and pressure. A basketball game is never pressure. You, let's live, talk, you live in those elements, that's pressure and stress right there. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. Uh-huh. Because there's other individuals that I met <coughs> while doing the podcast. We talked about it off air, the different names. Episodes up, go check them out. Um, how was life growing up in South? Mm-hmm. Like, take me through that. As a young kid, what did you see? Has it changed a lot since then? Yeah, it changed for the worse, I think, sometimes. How um, so? It's, I feel there's more violence. It's less respect for our elders. You know, growing up, you know, we grew up in a bad neighborhood, but at the same time, we wasn't breaking in our old elders' home. We were helping them bring their groceries in. Um, you, in our neighborhood, you had 20 parents. You know, whoever in the community they see you doing wrong, they may pop you on your butt and send you back to your parents, and then you get another one. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, you do that as a fight, as a shootout. They're, they're not doing that. People aren't involved. Um, and I believe social media and cell phones have taken away the human connection of communication. Once you communicate and talk to people face-to-face, you get a feeling and understanding. That's when those emotions come in. Yeah, I agree. If I don't see you, if I don't talk to you, and I'm just texting you and you know things like that, is 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 less... Um, <clears throat> emotion involved it's different like having like when we first met it was through the phone we were talking mm-hmm. and we had good chemistry and we talked mm-hmm. for like an hour right mm-hmm. but having you in front of me is a completely different element right because right. i can see your reaction right. i can see your passion. facial expression yes yeah. Yeah. and we can read each other and dialogue comes so much easier right, right. so you said that you know it's increased in violence so mm-hmm. it's, it's diminished over the years right can you take me through some of the beautiful aspects of the south end that you remember as a kid yeah. that stand out to you like oh man this is why i love south this the, is what's the, up the beautiful part about the south end to me we were it was a close-knit community everyone knew each other you can ride on your bike safely we had stores everywhere it was thriving to me you know we didn't know we were poor you know, we had friends and family in the community. We can ride our bike and get painting candy. We can play basketball of our friend's house next door, even though we made the basketball rims with tire. Uh, you the know, milk cartons and, and all the milk that. Yeah. And the frames of the bicycles. What's and, a backboard? There's a hoop. You no, know, it's, it's a piece of wood. And so we nailed the... Um, the tire rim to the wood for the backboard and then we would spray paint or get some paint or something yeah. to make the square and we didn't really have hammers so we would nail it in with a brick <laughs> and so we had full court my backyard had two trees and of course it was grass but by the time uh, two or three weeks in the summer it, it was all dirt so it felt hard Yeah, and we would play every day man and I don't think kids do that anymore I've seen some kids who I, I mentor our coach in my AAU program. Like, you guys going outside? Who like, no, it's too hot outside. I'm thinking that's all we did. Yeah. I hated coming in the house. You know, we would make up games in the community. We were always out, always outside. My sister, she played f- tackle football with us. She she did all the bicycle and yeah. things, popping wheelies. Like, kids don't really do that anymore. And that actually built our athleticism because we were constantly running, jumping, pushing, shoving, just having fun. And kids don't do that anymore. Well, yeah, it's like what you said when uh, your coach said, go out there and play. Go go in the community and hang out. Like, that's Mm -hmm. taking you back to a moment in time where you use basketball as Mm -hmm. not a release but as an enjoyment factor, something that you found passion as a kid right. where you're you to this day you mm. remember banging the, the right. brick I guess like I'm pretty sure if you hear a brick banging or something you will mm. take you in the moment right so Absolutely. it's interesting that you say that like you remember like you may have been poor but you didn't know didn't know when was the first moment you realized that you guys were poor 
I think I was like in the sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. That early on? Yeah. And we ate beans every day for like a week or two straight. Now you talking about my childhood. I'm a Mexican dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we ate we ate beans every day. Beans every single day, man. Really? You know. Or I remember sometimes like our water would get turned off and we have to, you know, go to my grandmother's to take a shower or we ask our neighbor, can we fill up our milk jugs? Or back then they had three liter bottles of yeah. soda, big three liters, you know, and get water and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it was it was some humble beginnings. That's when Caterpillar was laying off. My father worked at Caterpillar in the early 80s during Reagan administration, and he got laid off. A lot of people got laid off from Caterpillar. And so at that time, <clears throat> he was looking for work and things like that. And my mother was working at the hospital. So my father, this is crazy how things work. Yeah. So he's like, he got a family feed, so we had to adapt and overcome, correct? So he um, got into photography, and he got so good at teaching himself photography, reading magazines and just looking at things. He got so good that Time Magazine hired him, and he traveled the world taking pictures from Time Magazine. No no photography classes, no nothing. Just understood and had a photo and, and had an artistic mind. Uh-huh. And just studied and got books and read them and, and started taking wedding pictures and things like that. Yeah. And someone from Time Magazine seen some of his photos. And they hired him. How did that feel, like, in the moment? Like, take me through that. You, you're looking at your father, which mm-hmm. I assume might be a person of, mm-hmm. like, a role model to you, somebody you yeah, look yeah, up yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're looking at your pops, a role model to you, right? And you mm-hmm. see him transition from... A devastating mm-hmm. being fired, let go into mm-hmm. now he's in Time Magazine, my yeah. man. Like you see these at the stores. Yeah, it, it, be reading yeah, them. It was cool because he would go to Hong Kong and Jamaica and Japan, and he would always bring us things back. Like he brought us sugar canes, he brought us sodas from Hong Kong, and he brought all these things. And what my father, my parents did, which I love, is when he did start working at Time, he would every year they would take us on family vacations. And it wasn't just like Disney World, because I've never been in Disney World. He would take us to things like the White House, the Tomb of the Un, um, Known Soldier, um, all the, 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 the Mint, the Liberty Bell, uh, the Tomb of JFK. He would take us to all these historical things. And we uh-huh. still had fun, but he was constantly teaching us stuff that said, you know, Peoria is not just where you need to be. It's all types of things outside of Peoria. So mm-hmm. at a young age for me, I had a huge imagination because I seen some Niagara Falls, New York, and Buffalo, New York, and um, you know, going to Canada and all those places. It just broadened my horizons and my imagination. So when I would think big, people in Peoria are like, why are you thinking like that? Where do you get that from? I'm thinking I've been to almost every state. Yeah. And I got to see all these things that my parents would save up money and uh, just take us to so we can have those experiences. And I did the same thing with my children. Did you ever get a chance to tell your pops how much that meant to you? Oh, yeah. I tell him all the time. Yeah? And what did he say to that? Yeah, he appreciated it. He's like, I didn't do everything right, you know. I'm like, all right, you did enough right, you know. He set you down a good path. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Him and my mom. I had great parents, man. Yeah. I had two great parents. And they are um, still instrumental to me to this day. You know, cool. so right. when I went to the Marine Corps, it was easy because my dad was a disciplinarian. You know, he had you on ten, but with love. Yeah, you know, it was just certain things that you had to do a certain way. You know, we had chores. We had we never got handed anything. You know, we had to make sure we did everything we're supposed to do. 
you know, dishes done, garbage taken out. He used to make us plant a garden and plant all these trees and all types of stuff. I'm like, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, but I understand and I appreciate what he was doing for us because nothing got handed to us. It was always, you know, you work for it, you earn it, you know, yeah. take care of yourself, don't depend on anyone. Even my sister's like, you don't ever have to depend on a man. I want to teach you everything about fixing a car, changing oil, changing tires, yeah. you know, getting your hands dirty, understanding, reading this and none of that, you know, so. That's dope. It, yeah, I yeah. love that, So, so that's what it was for me in my household, so. So what, what other role models did you have growing up? People that helped instill, so you have your parents, uh, I feel like your head coach. Yeah, at the yeah. time eventually yeah, but in the transition him. from being a youth to a teen mm-hmm. who else helped mold it willing it was it was one one person i think had the most direct and biggest impact on me was a lady named jean miller she was a lady who was my fifth grade teacher at pleasant hill elementary school pleasant hill elementary school and she told me for the first time that you're a leader you're a winner and that's I, the first time you heard it well, from outside, outside, of, outside of my parents. Yeah. Yeah. So that has what type of validation did that and bring I to you? I looked at her. She's like, you're a leader. She's like, you're a winner. And I, she would always say that to me. I said, why? She said, because of how you carry yourself. She said, how intelligent you are. She said, how you make people feel. People gravitate to you. She said, use it correctly. And she was my fifth grade teacher. And I kept in contact with her until she died two years ago. My condolences. Yeah, she lived in Arizona and Baltimore. I would fly out there and see her. I would take my kids to go meet her, introduce her to my kids. That big of an impact she in your life? She was that much of an influence in my life. And I would still talk to her even when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, and I've continued to talk to her until she couldn't even speak anymore. She would still try to talk to me. And uh, you had that much of a connection with her. That much. And now I have that same connection with her kids, even though her kids are older than me. Really? I talk to her daughters at least once or twice a month. Her sons once or twice a month. So what are some valuable lessons she taught you that now, like, you're teaching your kids? And you're teaching the youth that you're helping with? Well, well, yeah, yeah. What, what she taught me is to work hard. Don't make excuses for nothing. Not your skin color, not, not anything. She says there's no excuses. And she was an older white lady, but she treated me like I was her son, but she still didn't have any slack towards me. Mm. And she would get on my butt anytime she didn't care. She was a woman who spoke her mind. I love that, man. And she was not playing, but she would still tell you, but she always tell you, I love you. She would tell me she loved me every time I talked to her. So she instilled that you can still be tough, but still let people know that you love them and you care. And you're tough on them based on the fact that you do care and love them. And she had a huge impact on me. Would you say your entire life you had special individuals supplying you with love? At least the essence of, hey, you're dope. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Don't yeah. stop. Keep going. Yes. I, yeah, I would say that. You know, having my parents, my grandmother, my grandmother who really got me into the Bible really deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she passed away actually two years ago as well. Those is awesome. Uh, thank you. And um, so it was, it was, I had my grandmother and my parents and, you know, my, my teacher and my coach, you know, Herschel Hanna, who was my eighth grade basketball coach, you know, he helped me a lot. He mentored me a lot. And, of course, you know, um, Coach Wayne McClain at Manuel and my, my, my parents, my dad, you know. So, yeah, my older brother, you know. So I had um, people around me who constantly helped molded me. So even in the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, after I graduate high school, I go straight to the Marine Corps. Yeah. 
So for four years, that's all about discipline and structure and all those type of things. So of going through that, you know, that having my, uh, my upbringing that I had prepared me for the Marine Corps. I mean, having Coach McClain <laughs> for, for basketball, no drill instructor ever going to compare to him. <laughs> the things he used to say. Really? So, man, he was know, on it. The boot camp was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get in trouble for laughing. Yeah, you are one of very few people I know to even say that out loud with boot, confidence, boot brother. Boot camp was easy. Easy. Because so what did he put you through, if you don't mind divulging, in the moment that prepared you mentally, spiritually, physically? Mm-hmm. For boot camp because boot camp is a, an experience for what I've been And it's the Marine boot camp. Yeah, so now you're The you toughest out of all level. the branches, right? Yeah, that's a different level, bro. Right, exactly. So that's what he did. We would practice before school and after school. Two hours two in the morning. Two days. Yeah, two hours in the morning, three, four hours at night. Every day. Even Saturday, Sunday? Well, Saturday, Sunday, we didn't do it in the morning. The sometimes, we, sometimes we did, but we practiced on Christmas, Thanksgiving. And... Tip top shape, bro. Two days even on the holidays? Man, he bro, didn't care, man. Dude. He didn't care, but that's why we set a state record. That's why we were winners. And it kept you off of doing both. Right, right. It I, kept I, you I, on I, I wasn't drinking. I never. I don't smoke weed. I don't drink. I didn't do any. I wasn't in the gangs. Basketball. We didn't have it. Days off. What's that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. So going to the Marines and you have to be in shape and you have to be disciplined because if you make one mistake, everybody's on the line in his practice and Coach McClain practice, everybody on the line. Oh, he did this. That means we got to hold each other accountable. That means we have to look out for others. So that's what that taught me. So when I go to the Marine Corps, my life is on the line. I got to watch his back. He got to watch my back, right? Yeah. So I already learned that from basketball, even at a young age. It's all about each other. The entire team becoming what? One. So I knew what becoming one was from playing sports. That's why I believe sports and life go hand in hand. You know, and it helped my kids, my two daughters and my son. They all play sports. And helped them, and they helped me when I went to the Marine Corps because of what I got. I had the hardest coach in the state, probably in the nation. Yeah. And I had a father who was a, a disciplinary at home. So that's what I grew up. My great-grandmother was 4'11 and tough as nails. <laughs> you know, she was 70 years old, getting up on paint her whole house by hand. Oh, yeah. You know, getting yeah. on the ladder, cutting her grass still. She said, I don't even know. Right, right. This is my great-grandmother, 4'11", 4'10", you know. So this ethic has been instilled upon you from every facet of your life. Right. Yeah, generation to generation from my grandfather, my grandmother, my great-grandmother. Like, they were just tough people. Just tough. And in turn, they taught you how to accept life. Yeah, yeah. And then when you (laughs) go to the Marine Corps... I was infantry. I don't know if you know what infantry was. Not no, so, I'm out of the life. So, so it's, it's a lot of people in the Marine Corps that they, you know, they're cooks or they're admin or they drive trucks. Infantry is you on the front line. My job, honestly, was to kill people, okay? Yeah. They taught me all the weapon systems, all the hand-to-hand combat, how to put people to sleep, all those things that you had to do if you go to war. So for us to train for war, we were prepared like we're going to war. So that means doing uh, amphibious assaults off the coast of Thailand at 3 in the morning, swimming off the shore. It's 3 in the morning, and the Amtrak break down. We got to swim the shore, which is a half a mile. Now, our gear does float, but I don't care how much it floats. At 3 in the morning, in the middle of the ocean, everything that touched me, I thought it was Jaws. Cold. 
I thought it was a shark. <laughs> man, <laughs> man, I was talking about being scared. But but that's what it, it, that's you know you just in infantry it, you're the first one on the line. Yeah. It's time to go to war. That's me. I'm the one doing the shooting. I'm the one getting the bullet shot at. Not the person in the admin. Not the cooks. Not the people who drive the five tons. It's the infantry, which is you know rifleman, machine gunner, and mortarman. I was a mortarman, so. Oh, I'll, you put it in, it goes so, out. So, yeah, so we put on it, and math was my worst subject in high school. Same. <laughs> and so with me, now I'm in math and Marine Corps. If you mess up, somebody dies. Yeah. So yeah. we had this. So I never saw my target. All I had was a map with numbers, and I had an FO, which is a forward observer, in my ear yelling all these numbers. And it's three of us, and we got to put and add and subtract all these numbers real quick and then fire this missile. Now, when we train, the longer you take, right? People die. So mm-hmm. when we when we train, we train with live rounds. So we got a thousand troops underneath us, and if we put the wrong number in, positive or negative, guess what? Somebody about to die. It might come short. Yeah, come short or go too long. Sometimes we would shoot the mortars just to illuminate the sky. Yeah. Or sometimes we're we're blowing up a home or a tank or blowing up a building. You put the wrong number in there if you want to. <laughs> and I've seen people have casualties. How did you deal with that pressure? <clears throat> like that, you it went from, hey, this is my brother alongside me. If mm-hmm. I don't, if I don't do my job, we don't win the title. Now, yeah. if you don't do your job, someone dies. Someone dies. How did you? How was that process in that mentally? Because that's got to be a lot. That's a human life. It's, man. Yeah, it's, it's night and night and day. Um, you like but, disassociation, kind of in a way. No, no, it, it was attention to detail. So hmm. for me, I knew math was my worst subject. So I studied, I practiced my craft to perfection. We were so good that we were voted. We have these competitions. We were voted the best in the Marine Corps because you still got to hike with that. So we would do competition where you got to hike 25 miles with 80 pounds on your back. And I was stationed in California and that was all mountains. So you imagine walking 25 miles and doing these drills and training. And it wasn't like, jogging it was power walking like we was moving you know yeah so doing that and doing those drills that helped me so i never lost anyone i never made a mistake man because nice. like somebody's life was on the line so it's funny when people talk about pressure yeah <laughs> i laugh at that that's a different oh man thing. we got some pressure man that's not pressure yeah. i'm shooting missiles over a thousand people here and if i make one mistake 900 people may die or 800 people may die that's pressure how did so transitioning from <clears throat> being a youth teenager and then going to the military mm-hmm. then coming out, mm-hmm. how was that transition back into the civilian life? Was it easier for you because you already you understood how to deal with pressure? You already knew how to be mm-hmm. of sound and body? Your grand, great-grandmother, was it that taught you about religion? Mm-hmm. You said My grandma. Oh, grandma, mm-hmm. my apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, so were you already kind of mentally prepared or was there a transitioning period that was difficult? Well, it was, I was, it was easy for me. The mentally part that I had a transition, a problem with was seeing how lazy people were based on me being in the military. So in the military, we're up at 5 in the morning. We work out 6 in the morning, lift weights, go run 8, 9 miles on the beach, you know, come back, eat breakfast, do some work drills, work out again. By 8 a.m., you've had a full day? <laughs> yeah, and then by ourselves, we go work out again at night. So... <laughs> Our mentality was just just keep going, you know. So, like, I, I came home and I um, I would see people working. They would complain about 
everything. Like these guys were at Caliper are making 120, 130,000 and just whine, moan, and complain. I'm like, you guys are complaining. I wish I had that money. Yeah, I remember yeah, being yeah. in the desert in, in 29 Palms in California, the Mojave Desert, where it's 130 degrees in the daytime and 40 degrees at night for a month without taking a shower. Damn. Slept outside. I remember sleeping in the jungles for a month in, in the middle of Okinawa, Japan. I remember doing mountain warfare training for a month in Bridgeport, California, when it's snow on the mountaintop and then it's hot down below. So we sweat, we cold in the mountains, then we come down and we hot. Walking every day, three, four miles a day with no days off, you know, 30, 40 days straight. Yeah. That's work to me. That's hard work. And I just yeah. see these people, I'm like, you guys really complaining? You guys have no idea how good you got it, you know? That's, so even when yeah. I went to, I went to Thailand. And I would talk to the locals, you know, and I was asking, well, they want to come to the United States. And one thing they said is no. I said, why not? I said, he said, because you guys are spoiled. You guys got your big SUVs. He said, you don't honor and love your elderly. To us, our elderly are, are golden. There's so much knowledge and wisdom that we learn. Yes. They don't have senior homes. They don't have nursing homes over there. Mm. I did a volunteer service in um, Patia Beach, Thailand. And the school, we was out of school, so we cooked for them and we painted the school, and and um, the floor was a dirt floor. These were the happiest people, kids, teachers I ever met in my life. All they did was smile, laugh. They were full of love. We were there for like four or five hours. When when I left, and when we left, they were all crying, hugging us because they didn't want us to leave. The teachers, the kids, everything. But their culture is all about love. It's all about each other. It's not about them. They were happy sitting on that dirt floor. They were happy learning and things like that. So that's so that's what it's about, man. So I, I learned a lot in the military, and I learned about our selfishness in our country. Seeing that emotionally, take me through it. Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing the bare bones minimum. That's mm-hmm. not what you know we're used to. We are selfish yeah. in American society. We expect mm-hmm. the best, and for the most part, a lot of us don't want to put in the best. Right. So emotionally, how's this shock of culture, shock of mm-hmm. uh, just uh, a manner of living? Because mm-hmm. you came from poverty, mm-hmm. but that's a different level. Over here, I would have been considered rich compared yeah. to what they had. What, so, it, what, it, what it made me do is it made me take a step back and look and be thankful and blessed of what I got. And, it, and at that moment, God said to me, are you going to keep complaining? You know, because we were complaining about the littlest things, not having this or having that or just complain, period. Yeah. And I'm like, really? And so just seeing these young kids, but they were happy. They were joyful. They were loving. They wasn't uptight, angry, mad. The adult, adults wasn't, wasn't. And I'm just like, wow. It made me look at everything that I had and be that more thankful mm-hmm. and appreciative of it and to... I want I want to give that joy to others. I want to be just happy as happy as they are, and so, um, that's what it that's what it did for me at a young age. It made me just value and appreciate what I had, the people I had, the the things that God was able to bless me with, you know. Um, so it just made me look at things in, in a positive manner. So everything you, you bring all this growth <clears throat> and this awareness that you've been able to see firsthand, right? Mm-hmm. You bring that back to the states. Mm-hmm. Now, where do you go from here? Everyone who I come across, they go get some of that love, some of that joy, some of that appreciativeness, you know. So now now it's, it's, it's spread, you know, because we can spread two things, you know, happiness or sadness. 
you know, True. anger, all those type of things. So, like I told you when I first came here, I never have a bad day. Yeah. Even when people that I'm close to pass away. And I lost probably 14, 15 people this summer that I'm close to. I'm and so I sorry, never man. had a bad day. Ever. How? Because I know one thing in life. When that appointment with death come, yeah. which is going to come for all of us, mm-hmm. that's an appointment that you can't miss, that you can't cancel, and that you can't be late for. And I know it's coming. So while you're here, I'm going to love you. I'm going to appreciate you. I'm going to make sure you get your flowers from me daily. And I'll make sure I'm going to give my flowers away to people daily because you never know what they're going through. You never know when their end is coming. And if I can make them have a smile on their face or, or let them know I appreciate them or, uh, or tell them thank you for something that they did or they're doing and show them, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. Even though I don't know you, I'm proud of what you're doing. Yeah. That's what it's about, man. That's what it's about. Do you ever find it challenging to give out the flowers, give out the love? Nope. No? Like, if you ever, do you ever come across people that don't want the blessing? Yeah. And how do you handle that? I still give it. Yeah? Because, you know, within five minutes of me talking to them, they appreciate it. Always. <laughs> Always. So you walk in the light. Always. I love that, man. Because it's, it's... I look at it like this, and I'm not trying to no, come get on, give spiritual... It to me. No, but be spiritual. God be is a, I'm always going to be me. Yeah. God is ahead of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And for me is I'm not perfect and I still have sin, right? Mm-hmm. We all do. He never stops loving me. He never stops caring for me. He never stops providing for me. And he said be in his image, right? His image. And what is God? God is love. So I have to be what he is. And when we are loved, when we are kind, we have a lot better days because we're separating ourselves, taking the selfishness. Right, right. Selfishness turning into yeah, selfless. Become selfless. It's yeah. not about us. So if that person is angry, mad, or yelling and screaming, I'm not going to take it personally because it has nothing to do with me. That's something that he or she's dealing with internally, and yeah. that's never going to make my character change because of who they are and what they display. I'm gonna pray for them and still love them and like you good, you cool. What's going on with you? I love that you say that because, as, as I said earlier, that's the, that's the challenge I have currently that I feel like I'm mm-hmm. doing good with, mm-hmm. that I'm doing my best to manage what I can control, mm-hmm. which is internally. Mm-hmm. And if I'm more at peace with myself, then the outside noise doesn't have a greater impact on me. Mm-hmm. What would you say is probably one of your favorite stories mm-hmm. out of the Bible or out of the good book? that you go back to on a daily basis or on a weekly basis when you need a little bit of that comfort and love. You know what I mean? There's so many of them, man. You know, it's, what are some, though? So Give many me some. Because this is, this is a platform to understand you, okay. to understand who's Willie, what mm. makes you strive and thrive, what makes you give back. These mm. are things I want to understand mm. about you because I'm like, all right, you, you, mm. we're going to get to the stuff you do, mm-hmm. but who are you? I like this. All right, so so for me, I always um, David, you know, David and Goliath, you know, mm-hmm. David. David did a lot of things um, where society would label, oh my God, my God, I can't believe he did that, you know, from you know Murray and Goliath and things like that, um, having an affair with Bathsheba, you know, a lot of people. If you get in that story, David saw Bathsheba, you know, bathing and like, oh, I want her. Go get her, you know. She was married, 
You know, her mm-hmm. husband was fighting in a war for David and his army. And, of course, he gets with her. She gets pregnant. And then he says, go get her husband. And, you know, come. he told him, come be with your wife. He's like, no, King David, I want to go fight in war. He said come be with his wife because he wanted him to think that it would have been his baby. Yeah. So David said, oh, he's not going to come back. Okay, murder him. And then he married Bathsheba and had kids. Through all those things, now, he had consequences for them. Mm-hmm. You know, when they had the baby, you know, one of the babies, the baby had passed away. The other kids that they had had one of their sons had molested the sister, all types of things. But God showed him favor. And he said, why did God show him favor when he was doing all those things? Yes. He said he was a man after God's heart. So even though he knew he, he was doing wrong and did things bad, he was he loved God and he was loyal to God. And he was after God's heart, even though he may did wrong things. He was like, God, I need to repent. I need to forgive me for my sins. And I'm coming back even harder. So it, it shows you the compassion that God has for people when you're after his heart. You know, even though it was murder, adultery, no matter what, God will forgive you when you repent and ask him to, you know, save you from, from your sins. And that resonates with me because that covered a more. And God said, love covers a multitude of sins. And David committed a multitude of sins, mm-hmm. you know, and God never wavered or turned his back. And he always accepted David with open arms. And if that's not inspiration for you to say, hey, you know, no matter what I do, if I repent and I come back to God, he got he's there with open arms. And he showed Mm -hmm. David was a king. David was rich. David had everything he needed and wanted. Now, Mm -hmm. he had some consequences for from it, losing a child. But God was still there and showed him favor no matter what, because what? He was after God's heart. And that that story just resonates with me. How how do you think, in in your humble opinion, and someone that tries their best to live God's message on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm -hmm. How can you help somebody like me who's still Mm -hmm. coming back, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas I see somebody like that, and I'm not going to lie to you, I'll be very honest and upfront that it'll be hard for me to buy back into that individual's completely changed. How do you Mm -hmm. help somebody like me? Mm Get more over to you. Okay, let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Are you Jesus? No, you're not. Right? No, you're okay. not Jesus, right? No. Did he retire from his job? No, he no. didn't. Right? Yeah. So why are you trying to do his job? And what I mean by that is this: huh. Why are you trying to judge and say I don't believe he's this or I don't believe he's that? The only judge is God. <laughs> so why are you trying to do his job? That's a that's 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 because a, guess that's a good what? one. You don't have a heaven or hell to put him in. Guess mm. who does? God. God. So it's not your job to decide if he's good or if he's bad. Your job is to do what? Love him. Oh, but that could be a challenge. No, it can't unless you make it a challenge. I like that, dude. Oh, I, I like this conversation. You love him regardless. If you had kids, if they did something bad or wrong, you're still going to love them, right? Yeah. But you're going to discipline them and correct them, right? Of course. Same thing that God wants us to do with others. If we see others doing wrong, we pull them to the side. And he said, if you have any ought with your brother, you go to them. If you have any issue or problem with your brother, you go to them, but you go to them in what? In love. Not, hey, man, come and talk to you. No. Hey, my brother, I need to talk to you about some things. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. That's how you do that. 
Hmm. It's not your job to judge them because who are you? You got a you got a perfect life. No, not exactly. At all. So who are we to say, man, this person, this or that, or let me go on social media and bash this be, and bash that person? That's not what we're supposed to do. Well, I guess maybe not the bashing aspect, but the apprehension of trust, mm-hmm. which can be difficult to give to another human. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's all internal. That's mm-hmm. not outward because mm-hmm. what you do in your life, unless it directly impacts me, has no direct impact, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you advise or how would you in the teachings you've read – give your opinion of how to overcome that level of like ooh defensiveness like oh can I trust him again oh, I as don't far know. as trust yeah okay see a lot of people want to put things on God like he wanted he's just going to think for us he gives us this thing called common sense but common sense isn't common not at all and so a lot of people so if I know a dog bites I'm not going to go up to that dog so he can bite me. <laughs> I'm going to stay my distance. I'm still going to respect the dog. I'm still going to love the dog. Yeah. But I'm not going to go up to him so he can bite me. And, and it comes the same way with human beings. If you got a human being who's shown you time and time again that he's an angry, mad person, and he can be somewhat violent or, or you know, I'm not going to... You know, insert myself in that situation. I'm going to continue to pray for him. I'm going to continue to love him. But if I know it's a, vo- a volatile situation, I'm not going to go run and say, "Well, God got me." That's like me jumping out of the airplane without a parachute and saying, "Lord, going to protect me." No, <laughs> he get he made parachutes for a reason. Yeah, everything has a purpose. I agree. One thousand. This cherry sitting in has a purpose. Yeah, and when you realize what your purpose is, that's when you become what valuable. When you become valuable, that's when people will pay you for your value because God didn't tell you to get a job. He told you to work. And what is work? Utilizing your gifts to define your purpose. Of course. So when people say, and people always say in the Bible and they say, you know, God said if, if man don't work, he don't eat. So in that scripture, you know, when um, I think, I'm sorry, I'm getting a mix. So when Paul, if, I'm, if I may be wrong, so when Paul said that, he changed his stance later on in life because he was a tent maker, yeah. you know, but he utilized his gifts of making tent to for work. You know what I'm saying? So he said, so so man, don't eat, he don't work. That's not true because God never told you to get a job. That's that man-made stuff. He told you to work. And when you look up the definition of work, biblically, he's talking about your gifts. We all got gifts. We all got gifts that God called us to use for his purpose. And when we utilize those gifts, we become valuable when we use it for God's purpose. And then people will pay you for your value. So then let me ask you this. What are the gifts God's given you that you put out? The gifts God has given me to be able to relate and talk to and understand any type of people. Hmm. I can go in any room, any situation and be comfortable because I'm me. I'm going to be me regardless. I can get people to buy in and to believe in, in things that I'm saying because it's genuine. I always have passion about what I'm doing because I believe in it and it's what God has given me. Yeah. So if I go in a room and with any business deals or whatever, 99% of the time, I'm coming out with a deal. So my, my, my abilities is to gavelize people, get them to, to lead people, to, to get people to understand and buy in that it's not bigger, it's always bigger than you. You know, so yeah. those have been my gifts. That's okay. You can grab it. You're good. You can grab it. It's fine. Those, those have been my <laughs> gifts as a coach, as a leader, the business owner, 
Yeah. You know, those have always been my gifts to get people to buy in and to relate. I'm relatable. So at what point in your life did you get the call for your mission and what was that call? I always had a call for my mission, but I just used it wrong. How so? <clears throat> I utilized my ability to get people to buy in, to get close to me, to get what I wanted as far as... Selfishness. Like, selfishness, yes. Okay. Either it was, you know, girls or getting someone to do this, so I didn't have to do it, you know. Um, but I got really good at it. You know, when I was younger in high school and uh, dealing with women and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, so I utilized my gift then to, yeah, you know, come over here, you know, <laughs> you know, so um, I realized my ability and my gifts all, as a young kid. I just utilized them wrong. So you'll recognize and see people who have gifts and they're not utilizing them correctly. I can name four or five people that was walking the hallways in my high school who was better than all of us. I know four or five singers right now who's better than any singer on the radio. Mm. But are they utilizing the gifts that God gave you? So at what point in your life did you realize it was time to utilize these gifts properly? And how did you do that? I think um, in my mid-20s, early 20s, I started saying, okay, it's time for me to, to do more things that wasn't about me. So I was doing Was this during the military or after? After. It was after. So was after you had that humbling experience. Mm-hmm. After. Hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was after. Um, actually, when I was going to get out of the military, I had a I had a um, experience that a lot of people don't know about. I, um, hmm. We were doing a training in Yuma, Arizona, and uh, we were training on these things called an osprey. You know what an osprey is? No. So this when I was first when I was in there, the military spent billions of dollars, our government, billions of dollars on this aircraft. And it turned into a helicopter into the airplane. Mm-hmm. So it 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 uh, it uh, it uh, land it uh, land like a helicopter. And then when it's ready to take off, it uh, go up like a helicopter. And then the propellers would go forward, and it would take off like an airplane, right? Okay. And so it had a lot of issues and problems, and they constantly kept putting money in it. But once your government, our government, put money in things, they're not going to scrape it because they put too much money in it, right? And they could never get it fixed. And so when it first came out, we were one of the first ones or first groups that was on it, but it kept crashing. So we were in Yuma, and uh, we were doing some training on them, and I hated them. And so um, it was four Ospreys, and so it was stick one, two, and three, and four. So I was in stick two, and they was like, all right, Williams, we're going to put you in stick one. All right, cool. You know, so we were done training for the day. We were going to go back to our campsite. And um, so I go on stick one and stick two where I was going to go. It took off and blew up. So I saw 19 of my friends pass away. And two minutes prior to us taking off, I was supposed to be on stick two on the Osprey that blew up. And they just switched me two minutes before I watched my friend. I still got pictures of my phone of me taking pictures of my friends. We always took photos. Yeah. Took pictures of my friends and the Ospreys right behind them getting ready to land. Yeah. And the two dudes I took a picture of was on that Osprey that crashed. We have an anniversary celebration. They got all kind of monuments out there. It was all on CNN. You can Google it right now. It was all on CNN and all that. But just to see that, and from that moment right there, 
I was like, okay, God, you got a, a major purpose for me. And there's some things. Several times in the military. I almost died several times. I almost got blown up by my mortar. I, I, I flipped over in an Amtrak. almost went down a mountain in California. I guess I was in the middle of the ocean in Thailand when the Amtrak broke down and we had to swim to shore. So it was multiple times in the military. I saw, I mean, I, we were training and we were shooting our M16 and the guy next to me got shot. They somehow got live rounds in that machine gun. Wow. And yeah, and so yeah, man. So I, um, I'm like, okay, God, you got some major purpose and calling. Yeah, because spiritually, yeah. these close incidents to death, yeah, they have to take some type of toll on you. Like it, whether it's bringing you closer <coughs> back to God because you're realizing your inevitability, and those are knocks on the door. Like, mm -hmm. hey, pay attention, mm -hmm. wake up. Are you listening? Mm -hmm. You there? And you finally listen. Right. So so it really, it, it, it didn't take a toll on me. What it did was light a fire in me. Oh. That you're not promised tomorrow. Your time is limited. Like I said before we got on the air, we disrespect time all the time because we think we got time. And we don't. This is true. We didn't, like I said, we didn't know when we were going to come here. And we have no idea when we're going to leave. But we always late for things. We always put things off. We always procrastinate. Like we got time and we don't. You know, I, I don't believe in coincidences like this. It's none. And there has been reason that, <clears throat> you know, you're what episode, uh, I would say six, seven now? Six. And I'm like, okay, I'm learning a lot. Mm -hmm. Now that I've had my trials and tribulations this past week, week and a half, I'm like, okay, I'm learning something from Willie. Mm -hmm. When you're able to connect to somebody, and able to enlighten them or at least provide them with some type of wisdom, mm -hmm. how does that make you feel? Nothing. Really? I'm a portal. It's not me. It's never about me. God like is that. using me. So who am I to take credit for what he's doing? That doesn't have, like, well, not selfishness, but, like, oh. Uh, like, do you take any type of joy out of seeing somebody yeah. find? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look at God. That's what I say. Look at look at God. I'm wow. I'm blessed. God used me to to help this person. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you, God, for choosing me. He yeah. could have chose somebody else. He chose me. Wow, that is beautiful. It's yeah. never about me, ever. So it's not about you. Let's talk about hoopsing. Mm -hmm. All right. So hoopsing is not about you. It's about the youth, right? It's about men. Not even about the youth. Men in general. So explain more about this to me because I'm, I'm brand new to the entire concept mm -hmm. and I would love to get to know this because we talked a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd love to know the inner workings, what you're doing, how you're implementing all these lessons you're learning or mm -hmm. have learned in life mm -hmm. through God into what you do with the community. All right. So Hoops Inc. for me, like I told you, Pure is a huge basketball mecca. Like, I still play basketball five, six days a week. I mm -hmm. love it. You know, it's still I still have the same love and passion for it as I'm, if I was 18 and I'm 45. And you still could go? I still play, and I got a torn ACL. I never had surgery, and I'm still giving people oh, buckets. All right, man. I see you driving I'm down. Telling, are I'm you telling. on the key or are you driving? Everything. I post up. I'm, I'm a point right. guard. I play all five positions. You now. say you don't remember me. You're going to find out. <laughs> right. Right. I, it's just a, honestly, it's a stressful living for me, and I love competition. So I just I just love getting up and down and playing and, and camaraderie and having fun. And I forget about all my business stuff and all the stress of daily life. It's a life. positive outlet. Oh, man. And you get to work out, stay in shape, and, mm. you know. It's good for the body. <clears throat> yeah. And, I, and every, before I play, I, I just pray and thank God I'm still able to do it because I know people who can't. You know? And that time's coming. Yeah, yeah. 
Hopefully. So you just enjoying the moment. I'm having fun. Living well, in the moment. I'm having them. I enjoy it now more than I did when I was younger. and winning the state championships. I love it now. Why is that? Because I appreciate it. I appreciate my ability to be able to still play and and, and be strong and able to jump and move. And, and I see people who can't do that. Yeah. You know, I had two heart attacks. You know, I have Yo, one. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> you've been through the ringer in life, and you yeah. have this. I got stents all this... I got stents all in my chest, man. I had a heart attack playing basketball. Like, this is. So, for me, I'm taking this story, right? Mm-hmm. I'm taking who you are as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's been through a lot. He's seen a lot. He's experienced a lot. Mm-hmm. Just a kid from South End, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to help other people. Feel the passion you've had through basketball. I'm trying to help. Provide I'm, them. I'm trying to provide them with things that God called me to do for the city. And um, <clears throat> so, let me tell you a little about hoops for life. Yeah, of course, please. So, it's hoops. H o o p s, and every letter has a meaning to it. So, let's just go with H. All right, which is honorable, which is mean honest and fair. Mm-hmm. Oneness, which means unity, wholeness. Opportunity, which is circumstances that make things possible. Patriarch, which is the male leader of the family. All right? Mm-hmm. Then you got S for selfless, which is put others' needs ahead of our own. So that's where I came with the acronym HOOPS. Everything. That's why you're about the selflessness. Okay. Absolutely. Everything that I'm talking about is the male. See, like with patriarch, male leader of the family, and mm-hmm. what's missing in a lot of the households. Especially minorities. Yeah, yeah, all my households, a lot of them, uh, yeah, minorities. Yeah. The male, right? Mm-hmm. So, God called men to be what? Leaders, providers, protectors. Yes. What if you don't know how to do that? What if you don't know how to do any of those things that He called you to do? Mm-hmm. What if you don't know how to live as God called you to live, which a lot of men don't? Let's look at all the violent crime. Let's just pick Peoria. 99% of them are done by who? Mm. Men, right? Murders. Break-ins, robberies, violence. By who? Men, right? <clears throat> okay. It's 20,000 programs in across the world. Let's just talk about Pure. It's 25,000 programs in Pure for puppies, uh, kids, and women. Name one program for men. None. Exactly. Really? Exactly. So with my program, I partner with 15 different companies, Okay. Um, Fortune, some Fortune 500 companies. I partnered with the chief of police. And what we're going to do, we're going to play basketball on Friday nights during the time, during the most violent times in the city, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Okay? So during that time, um, we're going to provide GED program, them going to colleges. We partner with some of the colleges. Um, we're going to give them mental health. Officials, cool. we have twenty people in Peoria that I picked to be mentors. They're just going to be at the games just to talk to them, be there for them. Hey, what you need? Um, food pantries uh, and jobs. The jobs are going to start off anywhere between fifty-five thousand to sixty thousand dollars a year. Okay, but the most important part that I'm bringing is I have two spiritual leaders who I go to my church. They're going to talk to the men before every game about. What has God called you to do to be a leader and a true man of God? Okay? And these classes are mandatory. It's only 30 minutes before you play. And it's not, I don't charge a man a dime. It's all free. And also, I just partnered with a new uh, entity that going to going to give the men um, health insurance. 
We want to test all their bodies, do all the blood work for diabetes, heart disease, all those things. A lot of these men haven't had a physical in 20 years, haven't been to the dentist in 5, 10 years. Also, I partner with a uh, sleep specialist. <clears throat> sleep apnea. For everything. One of the biggest things that affect people, period, with anger, rage, diabetes, heart disease, is lack of sleep. So we're going to do studies for free. We're going to provide mattresses for them. If they got a bad bed, you know, they're not getting good sleep, we partner with a company where they're going to give free mattresses for the men. So we're looking to have 150 men in this program. And the cool part about it is, so we're going to advertise, and so I do marketing for a living. My company, I have a marketing company. Mm-hmm. So we're going to advertise and market these men. When they do something positive, they're going to be on the billboards. They're going to be on the TVs. They're, they're going to be on commercials on the radio. So we're going to celebrate these men. And what does the community see? They see positive men who are tangible. They see them in Kroger's. They see them at the, at the ball games. These are men that you see. So now that gives the inspiration, that gives the hope. They see leaders. They don't see thugs. They don't see, you know, um, gangbangers. They see leaders. Look, and how is that going to make the man feel? Hey, I can accomplish everything because we're we're reaching the men everything that they need physically, spiritually, emotionally. We're reaching the man in the whole complete the total ones are huge total right because yeah. men men have the most pressure. And a lot of times, men don't have people to talk to. They may have a wife or a girlfriend, but it's, it's different. Well, the suicide rate for men is exactly, exactly. High, man, we never talk about exactly. it. Exactly, we exactly. never really address <clears throat> the mental health. Aspect. Right, like we're starting to. Right, but the men are supposed to be providers. They're supposed to be the leaders, and 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 all those things. You can't falter. You have to be strong. Right, you can't cry. You can't yeah. show emotion. You, that's weak. No. As as young kids, we started that off as in, in our in our families. Quit crying, big boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. I've been told that. Walk it off. Yeah, walk it off. What you crying for? You don't cry. Mm-hmm. It's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. So we have a mentality that we got to be tough, and we got to. That's what a man does, and that's not true. I mean, Jesus I, cried. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. yeah. But I mean, like I, I, <clears throat> I remember in previous relationships, I was that cat. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I'm, I'm a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's something I'm, I'm mm-hmm. accepting. It's, mm-hmm. it's difficult, man. Because mm-hmm. for so many, I'm 32, about to be 33. So 30 years of my life has been, yeah, ah, ah, hold that, mm-hmm. hide that. So within the last few years. I've been trying to accept mm-hmm. the emotions rather than just let them build because mm-hmm. then the tension comes. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you start faltering. Right. So we set in the tone as soon as they come in the gym. So it's, it's no, nobody in the community can come. It's all just for the men. So we hooping with no crowds. It's just the mentors and us. Before we play, we pray. When they come in the door, guess what I'm at the door? Hey, man, how you doing? I love you. I'm hugging them. I'm yeah. not, what up, dog? No, I'm hugging you. I love you. That's what they're going to hear every week. How often do they really hear that? So you're trying to reinstill the youth you had, the journey you had into mm-hmm. men now, right? Where they may have not had it, right? But the most important part is this, and this is all God. This is not me. He gave me this, and I just wrote it down. Mm-hmm. The spiritual aspect. I'm going to teach you how to be a man, not what the world will say, but how God says it. The spiritual aspect. This is how I called you to be. This is how you're supposed to lead. These are the things you're supposed to do as, as as men. Now, even if you're not into God, what my bishop and and uh, my other pastor is going to talk about, 
is a lot of common sense things that mm-hmm. people just don't know how to conduct yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. So to change any human being, you have to, I believe you have to give them something to think about. <clears throat> Make them think. Make them think. Insert themselves. Have, have them to insert themselves in certain situations. And then put them in those situations and scenarios and, and make them think. You never change people's mind and say, you should do it this way. Put them in scenarios where they have to think and insert themselves in that. Mm-hmm. And to change people, you change their minds. Change their mind, you change their heart. And once those two things change, confidence, like I, like I was saying off air, faith comes by what? Hearing the word of God over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Also, negativity if they hear that over and over again, they go believe that too. So those are principles. The Bible is made of a bunch of principles, you know? So so the principle is they're going to hear positivity. They're going to hear love. They're going to have all these things from other men. Yeah. And they can be as relatable, as tangible. And the community is going to celebrate them. We're going to have, you know, our games. We're working on trying to get our games at the Renaissance for the last game, the championship game. So we'll have all the teams be able to play in front of their hometown. You know, oh, and wow. all the and all the companies that sponsors that's a part of it, they'll be there and you know, they'll get advertised marks. So there's a lot of big name companies that's a part of this program. And they want to see the community succeed, but it's going to help the entire community because if these men have jobs where they can buy homes, buy cars, the economy is going to go up, the crime is going to go down because now these men have the tools to be leaders. Now they can talk to their sons, their daughters, their nephews, their cousins, even if they don't have kids. They may have someone that they see in the community. Hey, man, let me talk to you. Now they have the confidence, the faith, (coughs) excuse me, and the knowledge and understanding that, hey, it's okay for me to talk to this young man or this young woman about uh, making the right choice because I have someone who support me and a lot of men need that support. That, so you that, provide them the tools and allow them to challenge themselves to grow. Mm-hmm. And in turn, that growth can lead to mentorship. Mentorship, better jobs, feeling good about themselves. They they feel amazing being in commercials, seeing themselves on billboards and what they accomplished. That feels good. Think about it, man. You you got grown men who get excited when they get a trophy. Yeah. They get a medallion for winning a championship in the league. They happy. Yeah. Think about that. Just a trophy. Yeah. So imagine if they got a job. Imagine they got help going to college, got a trade. You know, because they don't care if they don't have any experience with these companies I'm with. And even if they have a felon, they still willing to work with them. Even if you don't have your high school, we're going to diploma. We're going to work with you to get it, so you can so you can get these jobs. You get access to these jobs. And I'm talking about. Hundreds of jobs for every man who want one. And then next year we want to branch our words to the entire community of men, not just the basketball players, you know. Mm. So we want to get the, the men in the, in the program, the basketball program, we want to get them situated and get jobs. And then, you know, okay, we got more jobs. All right, let's tell the other people in the community, hey, uh, where are the men at? Then I want to get to a point where we add the women also, you know, because I have a program for women as well. But oh, God, well, it, you're not gonna. I, I, not I, I, it's not. It's not. It's All not. Right, we'll wait on God it. told me to work on this right now. Good. So, but with God, once you do one thing, okay, what's next? That's how <laughs> He is. You know, you don't stop. So I got this right now. You know, and um, I roll out the program for the women. Hopefully, probably in the next year or so. But I already got the women that lead us, some powerful, dynamic leaders in yeah. Peoria, women. And I can tell you a little bit about that. That's more of um, women who've been sexually assaulted. Um, it's a lot of women in Peoria who are leaders or in managers or CEOs 
who has been sexually assaulted. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, and they're going to come forward and they're going to let people know, hey, this happened to me. So it's a program for women that women are going to lead. I'm just putting it together. Yeah. But the women are going to have a, a, a group that they'll meet every couple of weeks just so they can have someone to can relate to. And then they'll, you know, get the young girls and talk to them about this is not okay if someone touch you here, if someone talks to you like that. So we're empowering the women and even young girls who have experienced that. They have other role model women who have, who can relate to them because one in four people in America has been sexually assaulted. One in four. Yeah. You know, so I've experienced it. One of my children experienced my daughters. So for me, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. But at the same time, um, we need to protect our women. You know, we need to protect the women, you know. In the Bible, they are the weaker vessel. doesn't mean they're a weak individual, but that means God said we are supposed to protect them and take care of them. And <clears throat> there shouldn't be a fear of getting sexually assaulted based on a man who can't control himself. I completely agree. Because that's weakness, you it know. Is. So for me, I want to have a refuge, a place for the women, the leaders up here. You guys, you're probably going to be shocked at some of the women who's involved because— they're powerful women in powerful positions. I, mean, I would love to talk to them. And people have no idea that they were raped or they were, you know, they went through some things. If they're willing, I would love to talk yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's a, it's a, so far I got fifteen of them. Yeah, fifteen of them. Like that's the duality of that, right? Let's talk about that. That's it's disheartening, but also it's very hopeful that mm-hmm. all right, they're coming out. Mm-hmm. They're going to claim their power. Mm-hmm. We're going to empower them mm-hmm. and in turn hopefully impact the community that is going through this travesty. Right, right. So so then we'll have some, some, some healing for them as well because yeah. it's going to be healing for them. And even, even some young girls have went through it, you know. They have a place <clears throat> excuse me, where they can talk to an older uh, uh, woman who experienced it, mm-hmm. you know, and how, how they got through it and what how they deal with it, you know. Yeah. So um, so it's not just that. They're going to do a, a ton of things in the community. They're going to be visible in the community. They're going to, you know, do volunteer things in, in both groups. They're going to be out there. They're going to be visual for people to see and for people to relate to. So I'm excited about all those things that um, God put on my plate. Do you have areas that you need, not need, but would love support from the community or other there, there's been a trend I've been hearing for the last six eps. Um, the nonprofits and people doing help, they kind of live in silos, right? Mm-hmm. They they do their own thing over here. Are there areas where you feel like other organizations can come in and kind of help you mm-hmm. or, like, help put that message out? Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> or that like you would like, maybe? For me, I partner with everything that I'm doing is, is with partnerships. That's good. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all, I mean, because... But do you see that also? Do you yeah, see, see that it. issue I see in the it community? all day long. I see it all day long. There's even some people that I reached out to, yeah, I love to, and they, I never hear back from them. They never call back, and, huh. it, yeah, you know, even, <laughs> even some people who call themselves leader or call themselves people who follow God. See, I'm a body language person. I saw mm. you, like, ooh, on that. Like, I feel like that's a subject where you're like, hmm, you, got, you maybe got something to say, but you but might not I, want but, to. But, but... I don't judge. I see that's who they are, and I'm okay with it because you just accept. Because if they don't help, God to send someone else, which He always does. But it hurts my heart. It does. I'm not angry Why? at them. It hurts my heart because I'm saying, if you say you love and you care and you want to be a part of the problem, and I'm giving you a, a problem and we can solve it together as one, 
why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Why mm. wouldn't you want to lend a helping hand or even an ear or even a piece of knowledge or advice? Why wouldn't you? But you say you're a child of God and you're a leader and pillar in the community, but only at certain times or to certain people or to make you look a certain way. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who will, who will say they're this and they're that and they love God and they serve the community, but they're false. They're fake. They're phony. And you can tell by their fruits. Hmm. The Bible says their fruits, love, kindness, you know, yeah. how they treat people. Because what's in your heart always going to come out. You can't never hide well, you can't that. hide that. You can't never hide it. Especially if you have the uh, gift of <coughs> discernment. Right. I guess that's right. what it's yeah, called, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's what you yeah. have. Yeah. Discernment. Where you're yeah. able to look at somebody, read them up and down, and be like, in two minutes. I know about you. In two minutes. If I talk to you for two or three minutes, I know who you are. Yeah. And as Coach McClain said it, either a giver or you're a taker. And you got a big neon green sign on your forehead saying which one you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you about you? Even though you're doing things in the community, are you about yourself? Yeah. Are you in every picture? Are you on every billboard? Are you on this? Is it, if if it's about the community, why are you in every picture? Why are you in every photo op? Why are, look what I'm doing? Now I understand you got to advertise and market the business. I understand that. I get that part. Oh, we're gonna take a picture of this. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, but you don't have to be in every photo op. Yeah. Every TV interview. Every, I don't need to see your face on every bus if it's about the people in the community. Mm. And not even more than that is if God knows your heart, that's all that matters to me. He knows my heart. I've been working behind the scenes on this for months. People have no idea it's me. You know, I'm not mm. on, I mean, I have to be on TV sometimes and talk about it. I have to, be, I have to advertise and market one. Yeah, you got to do podcasts. You got yeah. to do that I got to do those things. Yeah. When everything gets established, you won't see me on any billboards. It's a duality. Yeah. Everything in life is duality. Yeah. You have the, <clears throat> here's the work, the groundwork that has to get done. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to do it. Right. And if you have the skills mm-hmm. and and the, the assets to accomplish that, then mm-hmm. that's your task. Mm-hmm. But then you know enough to, all right, I'm going to pass the ball off. Right, right, Unintended. right. Unintended. Right. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, like, you can't leave from the back, and I understand that. Mm. And as a leader, you have to be up front. And I don't mind being up front, but, again, instead of me being on in the commercials or something, I might send an assistant. I might send somebody else and, and let them shine and let them get some experience and things like that. I mean, I don't have a problem with people, you know, doing that. But that's just not me because it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about me, man, at all. Good. You know, I, I was in promotions. You know, I did concerts. Yeah. So I, I worked with Tyrese Usher, Ludacris, Babyface. I did Marvin Sapp, all those type of concerts. And um, Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, so, yeah, I have a lot of connections in that area, too, and that helped me and taught me about marketing as well. Because I never took one marketing class. Yeah, you said uh, it was kind of like <clears throat> your pops where you, you kind of instilled that on by yourself and mm-hmm. you took that venue. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's interesting because I, history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history nerd when it comes to things where you see the cycles. Mm-hmm. And you were presented a good father figure mm-hmm. who showed you, hey, I could teach myself this and get on. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Time Magazine? Yeah. And then here you are like, all right, I can teach myself marketing. I can mm-hmm. teach myself PR. I can teach myself this. And here you are traveling with all these artists, yeah. learning all these different cultures, learning all the stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. And here you are back in Peoria mm-hmm. helping the community. 
But with all those things that I went through, the trials and tribulations and the marketing and, and being on ESPN coaching and behind the scenes and all those things, it helped me to do Hoops Incorporated. So everything that God took me through and all the little nuggets that I picked up, marketing, business relationship, business development, people skills, it all came back to this. Because mm-hmm. now I'm able to function and run everything that I learned to give it back to people. So basically, I was going to school. So, so for answer like this, when Jesus came here, and I, I, I hate to go back to religion, <laughs> but when Jesus came here, even though he was God's son, he still had to get prepared. He had to go through trials and tribulations. He had to get prepared, even though he was perfect. 40 days, 40 nights. No, longer than that. Years. I mean, the test he, he had. died. He died when he was 33, right? Mm-hmm. When he was 12, he started, God started talking to him. He said, it's time for me to do my father's work. He said that at 12. He didn't start preaching until he was 30. So he went through all them trials and tribulations for all them years, for three years of work. <laughs> three years. Think about that. That's intense. So if Jesus, yeah, so if Jesus had to go through all that to learn and be prepared to preach for three years, what do you think I had to do? Think about that, man. Mm -hmm. So when people go through things, negative or bad, it's a learning experience. Now, if you insert self in me, oh, my God, I can't believe this and why I'm so depressed and sad and all this and that, you're not going to learn much. And you're going to keep going through the same thing over and over and over because instead of learning, you was crying and complaining and moaning. He's ruminating in the in the, in the the lack <clears throat> of whatever you felt that you deserved. Right. So that test will come back until you pass it. Really, man. You believe we've been talking for an hour and a half? Mm-mm. That quick, huh? Well, but before we head out here, let me ask you this. Because Oh, we done already? No. Well, <laughs> man, I, when I tell you it's been a week and I still got... God knows what to do, but let me ask you this. The individual, Willie, right? Mm -hmm. Everything you've been through. Mm -hmm. We've heard the history. We've heard the growing up in the South, right? Mm -hmm. South End, seeing the traumatic experience with your pops losing, trying to redirect, and he finding his passion, his path. You're there. uh, Playing basketball, going to military, coming out. Here you are. You're back. Mm -hmm. What do you want people to really remember about you what do you wish that people take away from this from your story who you are the good you're doing what do you want the community to really like when they think about Willie Willis they're like this is what I want them to know about me that I was loved and I was kind that you was loved and kind that I loved them and I was kind that's it that's it that's it (laughs) <laughs> oh, because, man. because my reward is in heaven mm-hmm. that's eternity this is so short 80, 90 years it's, it's, a, it's a blimp man, God, God said your life is like a mist in the air you get a spray bottle and spray it that's your life Yeah, that's what he said your life is a mist and Spray, get a spray bottle that's your life what I want to remember here I'm love I'm kind I want to help you. I want to, 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 what can I do to help you? How can I, how can I make your day better? How can I make your life better? 
if there's anybody that's listening to the podcast that wants to reach out to help you, how can they get a hold of you? Well, they can go to my email, which is williams.1977 at yahoo.com. They can reach me there, and if they want to be a part of the Hoops, Inc., and, you know, we're still looking for some sponsors. We're looking for some some volunteers. You know, um, if they have any ideas they think that some of the men need, I'm all for it, man. You know, um, I'm looking to work with people who has the right mindset and, most importantly, the heart for others. You know, if they have the heart for others to make people make people's lives better and they want to see all people succeed mm-hmm. in the way that God called us to be success. Um, that's what I'm for, man. I want to be around like-minded people, you know? Willie Williams. Mm. A man who's been loved, trying to get love out. Always giving it out. I don't try. I give it. <laughs> Not even hard. What's the saying? God is good? All the time. My man. Yeah. This has been another episode of KZ's Community Beat. Willie Williamson, thank you so much, man. I appreciate well, no problem, the conversation. No I feel like there's going to be a lot I have to analyze from the wisdom I gained here for myself with the trials I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you greatly for that. Like, no, no smoke, no nothing. I mm-hmm. thank you no like, wholeheartedly. I, I love the fact you gave me a lot to think about today, man. That's what it's about, man. Well, I'll tell you. Our people want to learn. Get them to do what? Think. Yes, I know. And there's a reason why this episode happened when it happened. Mm-hmm. So thank you, man. I do appreciate that. No problem. Um, go back, listen to all the up, uh, other episodes. I'm already flushed right now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming by, Will. I appreciate no problem, you. No problem, bro. Uh, all right, that's been it. We'll be back. Catch out more episodes on any platform. Peace out.